It's always a special opportunity to see a young family spiritually say, we want to raise our kids in a godly way. And it's important, you know, for this moment, this opportunity for them. And we see often families even show up like they're showing up and their kids or teenagers are growing up and they're like, well, we want to do it. You still can, okay? I won't be able to hold them, okay? Uh, but you can still pray as parents and raising your children to be godly. Never give up on them. Never give up on them. And today is a special day, too, in which we want to take time to honor the mothers. Moms, I hope you all got a candle when you came in. If you did not, on your way out when you leave, there's a table out there with a candle, our gift to you. And if, uh, gentlemen, you're here today and your wife couldn't make it or um, your mom that comes here couldn't make it here today, please take it home for her, okay? We have plenty here for all the moms. We want to bless them. Men, let me say this. This is the way the church is on Mother's Day. I love it. It's full. I love it. Okay? Father's Day is a little spotty. Okay? I understand. Now, men, I'm going to tell you right now, your gift on Father's Day, as Tool Time Tim would say, you'll want to be here. That's all I can say. Okay? I'm going to say Pastor Dave outdid himself in getting your gift already. Okay? It's not bribery. I'm just saying. You don't want to miss it. Okay? Um, hey, you know this, when you see athletes on TV, they, they accomplish something really big, they make a great play, a home run, whatever it may be, they always put the camera on those athletes, and what do they do? Hey, mom, hey, mom, love you, mom, right? Isn't that true? You never see them go, hey, thanks, dad, you taught me everything I know. Never happens. It's always the moms, right? Moms, you get that, that, that shout-out and that tribute, and that is great. That is great. And so we want to give a little shout-out to you. And there, again, there's something special about moms. And I understand there's a flood of emotions that comes on Mother's Day. Because some of your moms aren't here. Some of your moms weren't the most special moms in the world. And some of your moms are sitting next to you today. And some of you have a special mom, and maybe she's just not here. She's somewhere else today. So there's a, it's a roller coaster of emotions, isn't it? It's, it's a wide range, but we want to honor them. We want to honor you, moms. Many uh, people of uh, mentors and heroes and people that you want to sort of say, I want to be just like them. And I want to share with you, I don't know if you knew this, maybe you have, maybe you heard me share this before, but we know that the Statue of Liberty near the New York Harbor I don't know if you've seen or not, is a symbol of freedom. And the famous sculptor, Bartholdi, gave 20 years of devoted time and effort to do the work. Personally, basically uh, superintending the raising of finances. It cost over $4 million uh, to build that statue, which the French nation gave to the United States. And when finances lagged, Bartholdi basically pledged his own life, his own uh, private fortune to defray the running expenses and even put himself into a position of being impoverished himself. But from the start, when Bartholdi looked for a model whose features represented liberty, he tried looking all around. He looked at various women and, and those heroes, those figures he thought were in grand themselves. And after looking at one hero after another and trying to figure out what she should look like, he finally came up with a model for the Statue of Liberty for whom he could sculpt this and piece it after. It was his own mother. And you think about that, 
There she stands, Lady Liberty, as we call her. It was his own mom. What a great tribute, right? No pressure in this room, okay? <laughs> Gentlemen, boys, you don't have to go out and create a huge statue. But make sure that you honor them. Moms, thank you for all that you do, all that you have done, and all that you're striving to continue to do in being godly women and godly mothers. As I said, moms hold a special place in our hearts. And and, uh, again, one mention of mom's name can make us cry, can make us laugh, can make us roll our eyes. Right? We can think about all that moms have done in our life. But knowing the values of mom, I'd like to give a special message to the ladies today. Okay? Now, men. Men, would you do me a favor? Would all the men in the room please stand? Go ahead. Stand with me. I want to call you out right now. Okay? All the men? Yes, Aiden. Thank you. Even the teenage boys. Okay? Boys. Thank you. So we've got all the boys, all the men standing. Now, gentlemen... Do me a favor. Today, do not tune out what I'm saying. Because you, you just heard me say I've got a special message for the moms, right? And that's very like, yes. Think about golf, baseball this afternoon, or whatever it may be, cookout, okay? Gentlemen, you are responsible for the words that are going to be coming out of my mouth and out of God's word, just as I am responsible. And to use these words to be an encouragement and to be hopefully a way to help build up the women around you, whether it's a mom, a spouse, whoever it may be. Because these words are for the ladies. But gentlemen, we're responsible for making sure that we carry these words in a courageous way, in a loving way, using it as a breath of blessing upon the women who are around us. Thank you, gentlemen. You may have a seat. That's my challenge to the men. Okay. Now, to all of us, please grab your Bibles if you have them. If you don't, we can get one for you. We have them in the back. Raise your hand. We'll bring one to you. And turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 2, I know we're going right to the beginning. But there's a story that sort of sets the tone for what I want to share. While you're turning there. uh, Not too long ago, I bought a pair of sweatpants. And I I don't do a lot of shopping for, for clothes. Usually Jenny helps me out with that one, okay? But I went out and found some sweatpants. I thought they were the right fit. Uh, I tried them on. I looked in the mirror. Felt good. You know, did those little stretches like, okay, does this feel good? You know, Jenny, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. Um, but I got home and then I modeled them for Jenny. Now, okay, I tried them on for Jenny to look at. Modeling sounds like I was like, okay. didn't do that, okay? Um, I, I, I tried them on and said, what do, you, what do you think? And she's like, um, well, um, it's not, it's not you, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not used to seeing you in something like that. I can't remember the exact words, but it, enough was said, right? Um, I can't remember those exact words, but obviously they weren't fitting right. Now, did that crush me? Absolutely not, okay? Um, why not? Because first, I value her opinion, okay? Secondly, um, I know she's going to be honest with me. Third, I know she doesn't want me to walk around looking like a dork out in public. So I appreciate everything about her, okay? Um, So what do I do with those sweatpants? I do what everybody else does, right? I made an exchange, okay? I went from a size that wasn't probably looking good on me to a size that looked a little bit more comfortable on me or better for me, okay? Um, It's sort of of like this. Um, If I were to put on this shirt, actually, let me show you this one because this is more like it. A A couple years ago at Halloween... 
I actually wore a jersey this size. Because I was dressing up, you know, and I wanted to scare the kids. And trust me, it was scary, okay? But I remember putting on this jersey, or it's one similar to it. I think it was, I can't remember the exact team. But I remember putting it on, and for the next hour and a half, while that light was on and kids were coming to the door, and I was like trick-or-treating, having fun with them, okay? I remember I, I couldn't breathe, okay? It was so tight. And I, could, I was restricted. I couldn't move. I was very bound, okay? And I was like, I couldn't wait to be free, Okay? Now, why do I share that? Why do I share, like, my sweatpants, making the exchange from going from one size to the next size? Because I believe the same thing happens with us in life. Because sometimes we make choices. We make decisions in our life thinking, this is a great fit for me. But a lot of times those choices we make reflect society and this culture that are very ungodly. And when we put on the ungodliness, a fit that isn't good for a Christian... We become very strained. We become very bound. It's like sin takes us and binds us, and we are no longer free. We put on lies. We start believing what isn't true. All of a sudden, we're restricted. We're just bound up. I'll give you a different size shirt. Because this is the size shirt again. If I put this on, way too small, right? I need the right fit. So how about... This, oh, much better. But we like putting this on. Why is that? Why do we choose the things, the lies that are not fitting in our lives for what is truth? In Genesis chapter 2, look there with me. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15, it says this. The Lord God placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him. You may eat freely of the fruit of the tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruits, you are sure to die. God gives Adam and Eve one simple rule. One simple rule. They know what they can do, and they know what they cannot do. And the one rule is, don't eat from this one tree. That's it. Don't eat from this one tree. We know the rest of the story, right? But as we continue to read, turn with me to chapter 3, just one page over probably for you. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, it says this. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it or you'll die. Oh, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. You'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. As we read this, we think about this, the serpent, which is Satan, what does he do? He tosses doubt into the mind of Eve right away. He said, now, did God really say this? That's all it takes. It was just a simple question to question God. God gave the command. Satan comes along and says, well, did he really say that? Why don't you question God on this one? That's all it took for him to plant doubt by asking the question. Eve knows what God said. She said, well, we can do this. But God did say, but from that point on, she's conflicted. And that's what Satan would do. He takes truth and he twists it just a little bit. That's all he needs to do. 
And Satan just doesn't toss lies our way. It's like he, he chucks a big watermelon right at us. We see it coming, right? But yet we don't do much about it. He, we think that's the way it's supposed to be coming. Here it comes, right? This big fat lie. We can recognize it. We can see it. But you know what? I'm going to tell you this. That's actually not what happens. He just sprinkles a little bit of doubt in there. So small, so faint, we don't even recognize it. Sometimes he can take scripture and just twist it just a little bit and we hear it from somebody else and they're saying, oh, I heard somewhere in the Bible it says this and it's not really what Jesus said. But they twisted it just a little bit. And next thing you know, that's all it does to cause doubt up here. We know that once we confess our sins to God, and we place our faith in Him. We're saved. We're part of God's family now. John 1.12 tells us this. Paul describes us as what? We're saints. Call, Paul calls us holy. Call Paul's, calls us loved. Saints, holy, loved, chosen. But let me ask you this. Do we honestly feel that way 100% of the time? Church, do you really feel... Like, I'm really loved today. I'm chosen by God. Do you feel that way all the time, 100% of the time? Probably not. Because when we mess up, the accuser, Satan, he places doubt and shame right into our ears. He knows when we messed up. And he looks at him and says, you are a Christian and you messed up. But we know truth. And Romans 8.1 says what? There is no condemnation for those who belong in Jesus Christ. You've not been condemned because of Jesus Christ. But yet when we doubt the truth, we condemn ourselves and we are filled with guilt and shame, are we not? From the very beginning of time, God instituted relationships. We go right here from Genesis. Adam, Eve, male, female. And he brought them together into a marital situation. And they had children. The family began in the book of Genesis. Let me ask you, church, what do you think is probably one of the most attacked things spiritually today? The family. Satan knows if he can go back to the very beginning, the thing that God instituted from day one, the family, if he can mess that up, everything else falls apart as well. I believe the family is under attack. Marital strife, arguments at home, children making destructive choices, the behavioral things that are going on, strife, pain. And when that happens, who wins? Only the devil. If there's an argument between you and your spouse, it isn't, well, I won that argument. No, you actually both lost. We both lost. Satan won there because he got in between you and he fractures the family. Now, I'm not demoting the job or the role of men in a home, okay? Gentlemen, we, we understand this. And holding the family together, we have roles and responsibilities. But I think we also know this. There, are, there is this person in the home called Supermom, right? I know we have a responsibility to the house, being the head of the house. And we'll look at that in a few weeks. But, but women, we know that you are incredibly gifted and given the ability by God to nurture and care for the family like nobody else. We know that. So if Satan can attack and destroy the family, I believe he's going to go at the ladies first. He attacks us all, right? But, women, if you at all allow seeds of doubt to come into your understanding of who God created you to be, 
and it fractures you, it fractures the family. What truths must you know, ladies? You know, it's not about the latest fads or what's trending now or what all of the other women are doing. Paul said this in Romans 12 too. He said, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way what? By changing the way you think. Then you'll know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing. You know, my, my kids were young. My kids know my voice, okay? They would come sit on my lap. I'd read them stories. We would uh, talk. We'd play. They heard my voice as I cheered for them at ball games or school events or functions or whatever it may be. My boys know my voice, okay? But as I gave them instruction and encouragement over the years, you know what happens? As they grow, they begin to notice other voices out there as well. They're not just listening to my voice anymore. There's voices from other people, other sources, who would love for them to do things as well. In fact, those other voices are telling my sons there's things out there that they should do that I know will bring them harm. I don't want my boys making destructive behavioral chases, choices, but I know there's people out there that would love to see my boys make bad choices. I try to make my voice louder than those voices, but sometimes they aren't. My job is to be the best I can to ensure that the voice of truth is loud and clear above all others so that my boys can hear it. But in the same way, God says this. God says, I want my voice to be even louder than all the voices that are out there. I want my voice to be the voice of truth. Deuteronomy 30.10 says, The Lord your God will delight in you if you obey His voice. His voice. And keep the commands and decrees written by the book of instruction. And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. And what amazes me is that we walk around wearing spiritually what isn't fitting for us. Because we're listening to the wrong voices. So we try on what the world says. And we try on what is trending. And we try on what everybody else around us is doing. Thinking, this is a good fit for me. But it's not the voice of God. And we become uncomfortable. And we look awkward. I want to encourage you today. Make an exchange. Take the lies that have been fed to you the little seeds of doubt that have been planted in you, rip them out and exchange it for the voice of truth. Exchange it for the voice of truth. I'm going to give you three quick lies, three quick truths, and I'm going to bless you. You go celebrate that with your family, okay? Here's the first lie. Ladies especially, this is for you, okay? Ladies, my self-worth, here's the lie. My self-worth depends on the approval of others or the attention of others. That's a lie. The truth is you're part of God's great creation. You have been wonderfully made. You are incredibly valuable. Your value is set by God. Now for the women who's listened to this lie, her entire focus becomes meeting the expectations of others. If I can get so many likes, so many hearts, so many whatever approvals on social media, I feel good about myself. Your value does not come 
from social media. Your value does not come by what somebody likes about you. Your value does not come by how many hearts you get on Instagram. Are you hearing me, ladies? I want you to hear this truth because it's so much. It stresses us out trying to get the approval of co-workers, of other women, of other people. Our parents, our teachers, our coaches, always trying to win the approval of everybody else. We stress ourselves out and we're listening to the wrong voice saying, this gives me value. No, it doesn't. When faced with the disapproval or maybe a lack of attention, you don't feel good about yourself, nobody likes the stuff I'm posting, nobody has shown me any attention lately, and all of a sudden you think your value has decreased. That's not true. That's another lie. When young ladies believe this lie, they say to themselves this, I have to be perfect. I'm not good enough. Nobody loves me. I'm worthless. If I had a boyfriend, I'd feel complete. I'm unimportant. I'm not valuable. Others think negative about me. I must meet certain standards in order to feel good about myself. These are the thoughts that go through some women's heads. I must have the approval of certain others to feel good about myself. I'll never be good enough. I'm stupid. I can't make good close friends. That is lies. Those are so destructive. Women, you are immeasurably valuable. You are immeasurably valuable. Your value is who you are, not in what you do. It's not in what you wear. It's not in what you drive or where you live or how you look. Your value was created by the God of this universe. When he created the heavens and the earth and he created female, he created you in his image, just as he created man. And he gave you value at that point in time. Psalm chapter 8 verses 3 to 5 says this. When I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars that you set in place. What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. How can God be so concerned about people who disappoint him all the time? Do you ever think about that? We're not the greatest with Keeping God happy, probably, right? We probably disappoint Him all the time. And yet He looks at us and He calls us incredibly and wonderfully made. That floors me. How does He care about us? Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 to 31 says this What's the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your Father knowing it. And the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. You know, the other day we went outside and found a couple of dead birds in our driveway, and it was really weird. And I'd seen our neighbor out spraying earlier, and I was, so I teased him, you know, I texted him more and said, what are you, you know, putting in your yard? Birds are dropping. And he said, hey, there is no harm done to any birds or whatever done, you know, in this neighborhood and so forth. And we joked about, you know, well, he goes, and he said, especially robins. He said, but blackbirds... Now, they're a different story. I said, blackbirds, you can get rid of the sparrows too, as far as I'm concerned. And then joking around with him, though, but doesn't that sound familiar? Like, eagles, don't touch an eagle, right? And you sort of work your way down and all these beautiful birds, and you get to the blackbird and the sparrows, like, who cares? Isn't that sort of the way it is? I grew up on a farm. We shot pigeons, blackbirds, sparrows, whatever. We didn't touch other birds, right? That's sort of the thought. And when you look at the scripture, and Jesus says, hey, what's the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? 
Hey, but not a single sparrow, not one sparrow can fall without God knowing it. The most worthless of birds maybe that he's bringing up in this moment. And he says, but you know what? You're worth more than a whole flock of them. You're worth so much more. And it's not about that God knows whether a bird falls or not. It's not about whether God knows how many hairs you have on your head, as he said in here. It's the fact that although God knows all about you, God loves you. And you're more valuable than anything. Isn't that amazing? Women, you were created with high value. Period. Do not measure it by the standards of this world. Here's the second line. I have to look a certain way to be loved. Here's the truth. You're more precious than rubies. Do you hear that, ladies? Let me repeat that. Here's the lie. Well, I've got to look a certain way to be loved. Here's the truth. You are more precious than rubies. It's very easy for women to believe that you need to look a certain way to be loved. And again, the media creates an image that defines beauty. And the media is so far off. It's incredible. Because here's what happens. Immature boys and, and, and even immature men, we accept that definition and we trip over each other chasing that girl that fits that beautiful description, not realizing that that's not where real beauty is. Girls, you've been raised since you were little to want to be a princess, right? You have to look a certain way to be loved. You've got to be just like that princess. When a girl sees that she doesn't fit that mold, she's not maybe popular, she doesn't look as pretty as maybe some of the other girls. She starts to say things to herself. I need to, and ladies, you fill in the blank. What is it? Lose weight, look different, get a better outfit. I need to do that, then people will like me. I don't fit in. Not worth as much as those other girls. If I'm myself, they wouldn't even like me if I am myself, you may say to yourself. That's a lie. That's a lie. One of the most favored chapters in Proverbs by women, ladies, is what? Proverbs what? 31? Most women know that. They've gone to chapter 31 and have read that. And that proverb talks about the beauty of a woman. But you know what? It never mentions a woman's outward appearance. Read through it. It never really talks about the woman's outward appearance. Her beauty. In verse 10, the king does say this. King Lemuel says, Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She's more precious than rubies. It's about as close as it gets. He doesn't mention beauty based on an outward appearance in the rest of the chapter. What he does mention about women is this. Her virtue, her trustworthiness, hardworking, energetic, strong, generous to those in need, industrious, fearful of the future. I'm sorry, not fearful of the future. All these things are described in Proverbs 31 about this virtuous woman. Her beauty is developed from the inside, and that's what makes her, again, let me say it, her beauty is developed on the inside, which makes her, as verse 10 King said, more precious than rubies. Ladies, your beauty is defined from the inside. Verses 25 to 31, Proverbs says this. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise. She gives instruction with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. 
There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she's done, and let her public, her deeds publicly declare her praise. Every woman needs to hear, and hear this often, gentlemen. Please listen carefully. You're beautiful. Every woman needs to hear that. Especially your daughters. Men, if you're in here and you have a daughter, they need to hear this. They need to hear that they're just not beautiful on the outside, but they're beautiful on the inside, that they're more precious than rubies. I cringe when I see young ladies trying to define themselves and their beauty by how they dress. I'll tell you right now, women, you can be modest and still be trendy without dressing to try to kill. As a man, our eyes go a lot of times in the wrong direction. And I know you ladies don't fully understand the way a guy thinks. But as a man who's trying to be a godly man, you can be modest in how you dress and still be attractive. You are beautiful. You are beautiful because of who God's created you to be, not because of who you think the world's standards should make you be. Are you following me, ladies? Gentlemen, the final lie that we exchange for truth deals with forgiveness. And this goes, you know, obviously for men and women. But ladies, how many times have you done something and you've walked away saying, I'm ruined? I think it's easy for women to believe that they fall short in their value and beauty. And I believe sometimes it leads to thoughts of failure. You may buy into the lie that you are ruined, that you're damaged goods. There's no possible way possible way of recovery or wholeness after what just took place in your life. You're flooded with feelings of shame and guilt, especially when there's moral failure that goes on in your life. And overwhelmed and maybe feeling hopeless, ladies, a woman may deal with guilt and shame as to bury it down deep and numb it, whatever it may be, but to hear in your thoughts and your minds, I'm a failure. God, how can you love me? Ladies, I want to remind you, just as the men can hear this too, we are forgiven by an almighty, holy God. And in the book of Mark, Jesus comes across a man with leprosy, a man with a disease that he was basically a societal outcast. He was unclean. Nothing can change him. Forever he would be outcasted by the rest of society. And Jesus approaches this man with leprosy. And the leper begs to Jesus, if you're willing, you can, you can heal me. You can make me clean again. And moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and it says he touched him. He wasn't like, ooh, you're a little gross. So I'll keep my distance, but bless you. No, he went to the man with leprosy and touched him and cleansed him and made him whole again. And I believe a lot of times we feel like that leper that we are outcasts. The society looks at us and deems us as losers. And we think that God won't touch us because of our mistakes and our failures. And we call ourselves unclean. And God says, no, no, no. I sent my son Jesus to die for you, to save you, to clean you, to free you, to be new. All you've got to do is ask. Just like this beggar. If you're willing. Clean me. If you're sitting here this morning, you're like, I don't know. I just sometimes I don't feel. 
You may not feel forgiven. You may feel full of shame and guilt. You're not damaged goods. You're God's creation. You're his child. Seek forgiveness. He'll make you whole. He'll make you new. Isn't it true that we feel that way at times? But when we put on, we put on that which isn't made to fit us. We put on the lies of beauty and we put on the lies of value and we put on the lies of forgiveness. When we put those kind of lies on that's been sprinkled our way from Satan, we become bound. It doesn't feel right. We feel like something we're wearing is six sizes too small, uncomfortable, restricted. Let me say this one more time this morning to you, church, especially you ladies. Please listen. You have immense value. You are more precious than rubies. You are new and forgiven. Men, if you're hearing this this morning, you will remind the ladies in your life that they are valuable, that they are more precious than rubies, and that they are forgiven. Because they need to hear that today. Women, I encourage you today, do not define your womanhood based on your performance, your children, or other standards that this world presses upon you. Worship team, I'm going to ask you to come forward. As they're coming forward, listen very closely to this, especially the moms out here, okay? I think there's another way in which we can allow Satan to maybe just sort of sprinkle some lies into our lives to validate who we are. And here's one of them. And and again, just be careful with this in comparing yourself to other moms. It's an easy thing to do to compare ourselves with other people. There's going to be plenty of adversity in your life and it's going to be times you're going to think, I just want to give up, I want to quit, but don't give up. I know the work you do, moms. The late nights, the, the cleaning, especially from starting at infancy with cleaning the diapers and, and the spit-ups and, and all that that goes on. The meals that are made, the, the miles that are put on your vehicles, driving kids back and forth. The worrying and the things that go on in your mind, and you're like, I gotta help with this, I gotta help with that. And all those things that you do as moms really go unnoticed. They really do. And God's put you in that position, though, to raise up godly children. But some things that get in the way is like, again, am I valuable? Am I, am I really beautiful? Am, am I forgiven? Those kind of things can trip us up. And so what do we do? We take as a mom or as a person, we say, look what I'm doing. Look what I did for my kids. And we put it out there and we want people to like what we're doing with our kids to validate who we are. If my friends look how good of a mom I am, then I feel good. Stop it. You know who needs to validate you today? Only one. We have an audience of one, and that is God. And God looks at what you're doing, moms, and he's cheering you on. He's applauding you. And he wants to help you be as best as you can be as a godly mom. You do not have to be validated by your neighbor. You do not have to be validated by your best friend. Oh, you're such a good mom. It feels good, doesn't it, to hear that? I'm not down on that. I, we need to encourage each other. I like that. But that's not where you get your fulfillment as being a godly mom. God says, I want to fulfill that. I want you to know that I'm pleased with you. I want you to know that I'm here for you to help you. Because I know you're getting sprinkled with all kinds of lies and you're doubting that you're valuable. Oh, you're incredibly valuable. You're incredibly beautiful. You're more precious than rubies and you're forgiven. You're my daughter. You don't have to listen to what everybody else says about you, how awesome you are. Those are nice words of encouragement. But listen to me first. Talk to me first when you start doubting what's going on in your life. 
Women, I want to encourage you with that, to approach it that way. You know, we can train up our kids, especially parents now, speaking to the little girls in our lives. We can train our girls to play a sport at age five, maybe dress in style and look good. But what about being a godly woman? Let's reach our little ladies right now before they become a mom and help them what it means to be a godly woman. Let them know where they can find truth about value and beauty and forgiveness. Ladies, I want to thank you so much for all that you do. I really do. All it takes is for me to go run a golf outing to think I can handle it, but then to look at my wife and see how she does so well with organization and relating to people and greeting people. And then I realize what a wonderful wife I have and what a wonderful mom she is. And I started thinking about all she does. And that's just one. This room is filled with awesome moms. Ladies, thank you for all that you've been doing to try to be godly moms. Don't give up. Don't give up. You're so valuable. You're so precious. You're so beautiful. And you're forgiven and loved by the God of this universe. Isn't that awesome to know? I hope and pray you've been blessed by God's word, knowing who you really are today. Would you please stand? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome God you are. Lord, I just pray that as we sing to you now, we say thank you to you by how we sing. For all the women in our lives, the moms especially, thank you, God. God, may we remember what truth is. Not measure, try to measure up to what other people are saying, but to your word. Thank you, Lord, that you've created these women with value and beauty. And you love them, you forgive them, and you give them the grace and the strength to keep living on in life. Bless them, Lord. Bless them. We sing to you now and worship you. In the name of